Hello, what's going on everybody? This is John Hasselbauer, golf writer for thelines.com. In this video, we have a lot to cover. We have the RBC Canadian Open at Oakdale Country Club or Golf and Country Club for the first time in the Canadian Open's uh, tournament history. So excited to dive into that for the first time. Always nice to have a refreshing new course on the rotation. Um, we'll also talk a little bit about um, the Memorial Tournament last week with Victor Hovland's win, and also a little bonus touch on um, LPGA, since I was uh, fortunate enough to be in attendance for uh, Rojang's historic uh, win in her pro debut. I know a lot of you who follow me or who, who tune into these videos probably are not as in tune on the LPGA. I was not either um, until you know, being there in person and witnessing history and watching masses of golf fans, uh, you know, follow along for that historic moment. So um, I do think it's it's important um, to keep an eye on, on Rose now in this early piece of her career um, as it's just getting started. And if you're a fan of golf, then um, you should probably start paying attention to Rose because it's kind of must-see TV when a phenom who's seemingly perfecting this game at the age of 20 um, it's only getting started with her career. So I do want to touch on that a little bit. But before we get any further into this video, make sure you are subscribed to the Lions YouTube channel. Ring that bell on this video right here. Comment, like, subscribe on this video. Make sure you are um, staying up to date on everything, not just golf, but all topical sports. We have it on the channel. Um, and go to the lions.com uh, page uh, to see all of my written work. This week, uh, as well as links to the free Discord where we discuss all of our golf bets. Um, but yes, let's kick things off of where we last left off last week, which is um, the Memorial Tournament. Now, um, me being at Liberty National on Sunday, I did not catch um, the climactic conclusion to the Memorial between Victor Hovland and Denny McCarthy. Poor Denny. Um Really good player seems due to pick up a PGA Tour win. I really don't think it would have made sense if um, after a few close calls, it was the memorial against this elevated field that Denny gets his first career PGA victory. Uh, lo and behold, when you put an unproven player like that in a position to win a big tournament with Jack standing there on the green and you need a par to win it, uh, one of the most difficult holes on the course, uh, easier said than done. Uh, so... Ultimately, he could not par 18. He goes to a playoff. I didn't see exactly what happened in the playoff, but um, I think he bogeyed the first hole. Victor Hovland easily two-putted. Uh, and that was that. And I think that puts an end to a narrative that really should not have existed with Hovland, that he only wins on easy courses. Um, he's always played well in the majors. He's, his short game has always showed up on the more difficult courses. doesn't really make sense why that's a thing. Um, but it is a thing, and that's the only thing that holds Victor back. So if for whatever reason, the conditions get more difficult and he gets more focus. Uh, he puts a little bit more practice in those weeks on the short game, and he's not you know, losing significant strokes to the field um, around the green, then he's always going to be a threat. A uh, place like Memorial, you need to be long, you need to be accurate, you need to be a great ball striker, and he just continues to be one of the best approach players on the PGA Tour it's no wonder he contended at Oak Hill, and he should be a threat, I would think, for the rest of the majors this year. Um, and a pretty imposing presence um, on the Ryder Cup now. You know, don't look now, but 
um, Rom, Rory, and Hovland as the top three in the Ryder Cup is starting to get uh, pretty intimidating. So um, hopefully, you know, everybody's sort of, you know, trending upwards into uh, into Rome this year. It seems like it's going to be a compelling uh, Ryder Cup this year with, with you know, all the all the top players playing out there. But even Tyrrell Hatton, um, who I continue to bet, and he continues to kind of backdoor top 10 and make you, you know, believe just enough at the end that you can back him the next time again. Um, even he's playing probably his best season he's had. You know, definitely by PGA Tour standards, this is the best he's looked uh, in PGA Tour events. So going to be an interesting Ryder Cup, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I think aside from that with the Memorial, you know, disappointing from my uh, from my end to have the Morikawa ticket and have him be, I think, within one stroke of Hovland going into the final round and uh, pulling out with back spasms, which I was trying to read up on what exactly happened. It seemed like he was just like stretching in the gym before his round and his back locked up, um, had no injury concerns leading into the week, uh, looked really good. Actually seemed like he was turning the putting around. It was a little like, you know, classic Morikawa round one. And then he was hitting a ton of putts round two and round three, uh, was not putting it all four facets together, but was still four under two strokes back going into the last round. And then it's a withdrawal. So, uh, you know, tough break there. Um, you know, what can you do? Still, um, still trying to get back on the horse with the outrights for me personally, but, um, you know, good segue because Rose Zhang on the LPGA tour, um, bailed me out last week. I did not have a horse in the race on Sunday at the Memorial when it seemed like, you know, the whole half the field was within a couple strokes of the lead. Um, but I did have the outright on Rose Zhang, which, was more of an entertainment bet for me, kind of betting on a narrative. It doesn't feel as sweet when you hit an error, when you hit an outright, um, without really doing like the research and kind of just, you know, going off gut. Um, but I was, I was at the event. I knew I was going to be there on Sunday and I wanted a little bit of a sweat. Um, so I looked at the field I saw Rojang. I knew the name, I knew the story, bet on it. And it, it really just was a perfect storybook ending, um, you know, especially as a spectator at the event to buy tickets to an LPGA event. This is the first time I've ever been to an event in person. Rojang is there in her debut, even if she wasn't contending, that would have been just a fun, you know, up and coming star, um, to track along. I had an outright in the mix. That would be fun to track along for that to all come together and all of the press to be on top of Rose and it be in, you know, the New York city area with a big, uh, golf, really a starved golf crowd of people who love, like just love golf and have no PGA tour events anywhere near Manhattan, uh, that we can go to. There was actually big crowds following Rose, um, to the point where I, you know, I wanted to watch every, every shot, every hole, um, she was playing, but ultimately kind of did the whole follow for a hole, go ahead to, wait by the green, wait for her to come up, have a good view, watch the tee off, then go two ahead. Um, and that worked well, but it, it was interesting because I didn't really know how packed the uh, the course was going to be for an LPGA event. Um, and they really showed out for her. I was impressed by how many people were there. Um, but I think the the interesting thing about that round from Rose, um, having followed her all, all day, is she really didn't do anything on Sunday to take the tournament, to win it. Um, it was really just that everybody chasing her kind of stumbled over themselves. 
Um, and Rose was able to go into the last hole with a one stroke lead and shooting, you know, one over for the tournament. Um, and had like a, a, a chance to go up and down for par to win it outright and missed that par putt and went to uh, a playoff. So it was no birdies. It was a lot of two putt pars on par fives, um, a couple like eight foot par saves, but there was never really this big like putt that she hit where you were like, okay, that's it. She had her chance to win the tournament and she did it and she locked it up and the crowd goes wild. There was never a crowd goes wild moment until um, you know, she was in position to win in, in the playoff. And even then she had like a five footer, um, for birdie to ice it. And, and she missed that. And she had a, a tap in par. So, um, uh, interesting way to win a tournament. I think that's probably scary for everybody else on the LPGA tour that she really didn't have her best stuff. It didn't seem like to me, at least on Sunday and in her first ever professional start, she just came out there and won anyway. Uh, Got to be such a huge confidence boost for her, too, to go into her first ever start. Um, you know, listening to her comments afterwards, it was just, I didn't have any goals of winning or making the cut. I just wanted to play my game and see how my game stacked up. Um, and now she knows, like, she doesn't need her best stuff to even beat the best players in the world in her sport. So um, it's it's easy to to, you know, do the hyperbole and overreact and and compare her to the greats of the game and the trajectory that she's on. I mean, this, the facts are nobody's had a better collegiate career than she has men or women. Um, you've seen all the wins that she's picked up on the junior circuit. And then the first chance she had to, you know, kind of prove her game, um, kind of litmus tested against, you know, the best, uh, women's players in the world in a really loaded field. Um, she was paired up on Sunday, the final grouping with the odds on favorite that week. And, and, you know, she, she dusted her. <laughs> so, uh, she knows how her game uh, stacks up now. And, and that can only be, a, a a confidence boost. We usually talk about like floodgates when you get your first win, but when your first win is your first start, then it's floodgates from the beginning. So, uh, I'm just really excited to see what's next for her. I think her next start will be a major, um, she's got this big fan base. We love to see greatness. She has a great head on her shoulders. She's really good with the media. She's really personable. Um, so this could be one of the next big stars, um, in the, in the U S and, and I think if her next start is, um, a major, then it, it could be really good ratings for the LPGA. I know I personally am, am now interested in the sport much more now than, than I had been before, uh, she came on the scene. So, um, very happy for her. Happy to have seen that moment. Hopefully, uh, more people watch the LPGA the rest of this season between the majors that are coming up. The next one's actually at Baltus Roll, which I'm really excited to see. I won't be there in person, but um, it could be. It's very close, like 20 minutes from where I live, too. So um could be another Jersey narrative. I think she'll probably open at like 20 to 1 to win a major, which is insane. Um, and then she'll probably be on the, the Solheim Cup um, team in, in, uh, September. Um, so going to be going to have a lot of, uh, opportunity to watch her, um, for the rest of the season. I think it's going to be good for the game of golf. Um, but yes, I think I'll, uh, I'll, I'll transition now, uh, into the task at hand. So I'll share my screen here. It is RBC Canadian, uh, open tournament week. 
Um, it is the last week before the U.S. Open, which will be at LACC. Speaking of events that I am boots on the ground for, I will be there on Friday. So if you are there, uh, definitely hit me up because um, I'm actually going to be there solo, which is something I've never done at a golf uh, tournament before. Um, interesting logistics of travel for me. I, I'm going to a wedding, a uh, family wedding, but I... Um, wanted to make a longer trip out of it because I, I work with some people in LA that I've never met before. So, um, I'm staying on my own. I'm in LA. I'm meeting up with, with some friends here or there, but I'm going to that golf tournament alone. And then I'm flying straight out of there that night into a wedding. So action pack week for me next week at, uh, Los Angeles country club, but very excited for that. Had a great time at Liberty National and from everything I've seen about LACC on the video so far, that looks like a course like no other. So I'm really excited to be there on the grounds for that as well. Um, will not be on the grounds in Toronto, um, but that is where the PGA Tour is heading next. Um, for the first time, we are at Oakdale Golf and Country Club. Uh, it is another Stanley Thompson design. It seems like every time we go to a course in Canada, Stanley Thompson either designed it or influenced somebody else who designed it. He has such a stranglehold on um, Canadian golf architecture, and they have so many uh, beautiful courses, so many courses in the like North American um, top 100 um, courses in you know that you can play. Um, a lot of them are Stanley Thompson. So I forget if Oakdale is on that list. I feel like it may not be. Um, but looking at the pictures, it is sort of a, when it's not a tournament week, it's a three set of nine hole course design, uh, or layout. And they are kind of picking and choosing, um, from all of those three courses to build the, uh, 18 hole routing for this one. Uh, I would say generally speaking, the, the front nine is a little bit more difficult. The back nine is extremely scorable. Um, all of the par fives are going to be reachable in two. There's a lot of uh, short par fours under 400 yards. I think there's five holes under 400 yards. Um, and even the long par fours, a lot of them have uh, pretty generous fairways. So the rough is extremely penal here, but um, the, the bunkers are not crazy. And uh, there are some elevated greens, which could make it a little bit tough to hold these if you are hitting from off the green. Um, but if you can keep it in the fairway, it is going to be point and shoot golf. It doesn't look like there's going to be much much wind or weather uh, this week in Toronto. So if we get uh, you know firm condition or, or calm conditions, um, you know if we'll look at the list of Canadian Open scoring um, a little bit later in this video. But um, the Canadian Open goes past twenty under par all the time, and this looks like one of the easier layouts going into it. Uh, than we've seen recently. So the only thing they've really done to this course to toughen it up is grow out the rough. Um, I think that will make it a little bit tough, but it's also, you know, these are the best players in the world. There's going to be some players who hit a ton of fairways. And if you're doing that, there's really no other resistance um, in this course. So I fully expect this to be not a full-fledged um, putting contest because, you know, the putting contest that we see in the fall swing um, I'm thinking like a Sanderson farms or Shriners open, um, you know, uh, you know, even a Bermuda, um, championship, these are all like, it doesn't matter where you hit it off the tee, everybody's going to hit the greens and then it's just going to be a, a putting contest. 
I would, I would not go as far as to say that because there is a little bit of skill here to accuracy off the tee. There's some holes where you have to hit driver. There's some where you have to make a decision if you want to, you know, sacrifice like 40 yards, but definitely be in the fairway. Um, you know, those sorts of things. I think course management will be important this week. Uh, and because of that, it's not something that I expect to be like a pure bomb and gouge type of course. Um, you're definitely going to want to be in the fairway. And if you, if you have a decision to be 50 yards closer or in the fairway, I think the, the field will score better over the course of the tournament. They just constantly pick uh, the fairway conservative route. Um, that opens it up to a lot of people who can contend on a course like this. Um, but in general, I think from a stat standpoint, and I'll just go down into my key stats over here. Um, but I think it's all about approach. I'm expecting a lot of, uh, approach shots from inside 150. So looking at courses, um, that have sort of a 7,200 yard ish, um, yardage that's, that should sort of produce a similar dispersion of approach shots to what we're going to see this week. Um, but it's not positional in the sense where you have to be a fairway finder first and foremost. Um, but I do think just being comfortable off the tee, laying up when you need to and having a reliable fairway finder off the tee is going to be you know, pretty huge this week. We don't always see fairways like this that get graduated as you get closer to the hole, the narrow, the fairways kind of pinch narrower, narrower and narrower. Um, and I think that's the best way to combat the bomb and gouge stuff that we see on other courses is just give that option. So if you're going to hit driver, you bring on, you're going to bring on more risk than somebody who can't hit it as far, who can comfortably just be in the fairway. So, um, all that being said, if you have distance, if you're Rory McIlroy, for example, that still gives you the option to hit like a driving iron off the tee. Um, if you definitely really want to be on the fairway on a certain hole. So, you know, it's not to say that just because, you know, shorter hitters can be in the fairway, um, that Rory's at some sort of disadvantage. Uh, any, any time Rory steps up to any course, he's going to be uh, a threat to win it, even if he didn't pull it off um, at the Memorial. Um, so aside from approach, which is definitely paramount, um, just looking at recent form, T to green, uh, we don't know too much about this course uh, for certain. So, you know, just general form coming in is important. Um, there are five, um, or I think f at least four par fours over 450 yards. There are at least four par fours under 400 yards. Um, there's also four in the middle, but those are kind of middling, you know, where most tour average par fours are in that like 400 to 450 range. Um, so not putting too much weight on that in a model. And then, uh, birdies are better combined with strokes gain total in easy scoring conditions. Uh, driving accuracy or strokes gain off the tee on short courses, I think is important this week. Again, um, just to see when people are given that option of overpowering it or laying back, who's still you know doing the best in those categories. Uh, I've got a small weight on strokes gain around the green, just because the rough is pretty penal here. So that will lead to a little bit less greens in regulation than you would normally expect. And the green sizes are fairly small. Um, so if you're not the best iron players in the world, you are going to find, um, the rough, uh, and are going to need to scramble a little bit here. Uh, even if the winning scores is, is going to push beyond 20 under par, like I expected to, um, and then strokes game putting on, uh, just recently over the last 36 rounds, but also on the similar 
bent grass and northeast poa mix um just be careful if you are running a model um putting poa into there that you're taking out the california poa because this northeast poa is much different um what we see at like the uh travelers in two weeks at tpc river highlands or uh detroit golf club is another one that has this sort of poa and bent mix that's pretty typical for what we get in this region of the country in canada uh pretty typical for what we've, what we've seen at the canadian open as well um so i think that if you've shown um some success putting on these types of greens uh that can be a little bit repeatable at the canadian open uh, and then lastly comp course history um didn't really dive too deep into the comps here but um if we go to the odds page i have them listed out um just from what i'm seeing here to quickly touch on what i'm viewing is the comp courses um this week st george's was the host of the 2022 um canadian open that was also stanley thomas that was also um or sorry stanley thompson um that was also around 7200 it played more difficult than what i expect this week too but uh, as far as comps go there's a lot of similarities between the two um and then i think sedgefield country club is probably most comparable from what i've seen uh a course that is pretty short um gives up a lot of bogey gives up a lot of birdies um and the players who win there tend to be accurate great approach players and really good putters uh, i think that's exactly what you're looking for this week so i'm really looking at guys who've had success at that event uh, and come in here with good form particularly with their irons um, in addition to Sedgefield, I also think Colonial is a good comp, as is Innisbrook. Um, Harbortown, less so because it's so positional and so kind of one-dimensional in how you have to play it, um, point A to point B. But if you can play well at a course like that, that strategy, I think, will work um, at, at Oakdale as well. And then TBC Boston, TBC Deer Run are two of like the bigger birdie fests, I think, that we see each year so just plugging that in or i shouldn't say each year for boston because it's been since the northern trust a few years ago but um that was a big birdie fest so if you played well there can go low there then i think that is translatable here uh same with deer run and then tbc river highlands i think that's a really good comp that doesn't really get past 20 under par um too much it's not pure birdie fest but it is um similar agronomy um and a layout that i think if you've played well there is another good indicator for what you need at oakdale so that is the um that is the bare bones of what you need to know about oakdale i mean the 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 long and short of it is really irons and putting um scoring in easy easy conditions birdie fast what do you need to do to make birdies it's hit it close with your irons and make those putts so that's really uh, what I'm looking for this week, and now we'll switch it over to um, the model. I won't dig into the weighting of the stats because we just went over that on the key stats page. Um, but I will sort this by um, the the top ten of the model. So uh, the number one spot in the model with all the key stats weighted is Tyrrell Hatton. A uh, little bit of a surprise that he's coming in before Rory McIlroy, but I do think Hatton's game um, from the, the four key aspects of off the tee, approach, around the green, and putting 
is in a better well-rounded place than Roy McIlroy's is where he's really leaning on spike um, ball striking. And then he's been pretty good around the green, pretty good um, putting. Uh, Hatton's just been like very good in all four areas, but hasn't been great enough to, to spike and win a tournament, but he seems to be putting himself in contention every single week. He tees it up. Um, he's a really short number this week. Um, pretty long number though at the U S open. So might be keeping an eye on how he does this week. He hasn't been playing a lot of weeks in a row, which gives me a little bit of pause. Um, but I think I saw 50 to one on him at the U S open. Um, and I really just don't see why his game can't stack up to win a major. It would not shock me at all. Um, his pedigree in majors in the past hasn't been the greatest, but it hasn't been the worst. And, um, you know, he's just having such a better year this year than he has in the past. So, um, definitely a name to watch out for this week. One that I probably will not get to, um, on my betting card, but possibly, uh, in a few DFS lineups. So it's Hatton one, McElroy two, Corey Connors in a home game in front of the Canadian faithful, um, at number three, I think he'll be a popular play this week just for that narrative alone. Um, and definitely fits, uh, from a ball striking standpoint, what you want to do here, um, he's turned the putting around too, which is interesting, but I don't know that I trust him in a pure, um, birdie fest to get to 20 under, um, with what we know long-term about his putting, um, uh, Justin Rose is number four love Rose this week, uh, followed by Tommy Fleetwood five, Shane Lowry, six, Matt Kuchar, interesting at seven, Cameron Young, uh, number eight, he's kind of disappeared a little bit. The putting has been absolutely terrible. Um, but he does stack up really well in everything besides the putting. And you can see it's all green in his profile, except for putting, uh, last 36 and bent POA. So, uh, he's kind of broken with the putter. I don't think that's going to change overnight. And, uh, you really need that, um, to spike this week, or I don't think you have much of a chance. So, uh, will be a fade for Cameron Young this week for me. And then Brendan Todd, um, I want to say Todd withdrew from the, his last event. I was looking pretty closely at him this week, but he has looked a little bit iffy and, and he's coming off of a uh, withdrawal. So I'll probably be out on Todd as well. And then uh, Svensson. So we have a second uh, Canadian in the top 10 of the model. That's interesting. Um, I really do like the way that his game stacks up. I believe I bet him last year and I think he had a career best top 20, um, at the Canadian open last year. So, um, there is an ongoing narrative that Canadians don't play their best in the Canadian open. Um, and there hasn't been a winner since the seventies, I believe. Um, so, you know, history may not be on the side, but maybe we're due, um, to see a Canadian winner, um, this time around. So. Uh, I will now just filter it to my bets that I placed this week. Um, starting with Justin Rhodes, he was my spotlight feature this week. When I think about irons and putting, I think about Justin Rhodes and you know, the stats back that up. He is number two in strokes gained approach. He is number one in putting on these Northeast, uh, bent POA style greens. He's also a third in a T to green entering this week. And when you, Combine that with um, the surface that we're about to get to that we have not really seen so much uh, in the immediate, he becomes a pretty ideal course fit. Um, and then just to kind of go into that a little bit deeper, 
um, with his results, um, this is this is what you want to see. You want to see spike approach, getting up to seven on a positional course like the Charles Schwab, and you want to see spike putting. Um, he's you know if he gains seven point eight and four uh, putting this week, he's probably going to win. Um, and we know he's capable of that because that's what he's done in each of his last two two weeks. Um, so that's a profile I think will work here. And he left on a high note at the Canadian Open um, last year where he shot a 60, had a really good chance to um, to shoot a 59 uh, going into the last hole, and he kind of botched it. But uh, a good vibe to end on with a final round 60. Back toward this top four, but you see how he did it on a Stanley Thompson design uh, to gain over 11 strokes between uh, approach and putting. I think that will get it done. Um, if he can replicate that um, this this week, so uh, I got him at twenty two to one. I think that is a good number. Um, if you could still get that, I would highly endorse it. Um, basically, I think you make a decision with the top six players this week, and then there's a huge drop off. But between uh, Rory, Hatton, Fitzpatrick, Lowry, Young, Burns, Rose, that was more than six. Um, but that group, I think you pick one of those and then you just spread a bunch of outrights, uh, or you could pick two of them and have a, a short card, but, uh, because I'm, I'm expecting a birdie fest, I'm opting to go with one from that upper tier, a couple from the mid and a couple of, uh, long shots. So my next shortest odds after Rose was to hit the gala. Um, he is number 13 in the model. Um, Interesting enough that it's it's things like stroke and total and easy scoring conditions that are knocking him down in this model. Uh, whereas birdies are better gained, he's he's kind of elite, and on the comp courses he's good. So um, something's not quite adding up there. Could just be that he's making birdies in difficult events, or he's just playing a lot more difficult events recently. And he hasn't played in pure easy scoring conditions until before he was in this better form. Um, but what we know about Sahith, Sahith is that he can string along a lot of birdies. He can get hot. He can spike with the, the irons and he can spike with the putting. Um, and I'll pull up his page here just to kind of show this because we don't need a steady gaining a couple strokes every week on approach getting a couple strokes putting we need the spike weeks in order for him to win um and you look what he was doing kind of earlier in the season gaining over six at the farmers gaining over seven at the genesis and then all of these spike putting weeks to go along with it as well um what i think it makes kind of a interesting buy low candidate is you look at these last three events and they have not been very inspiring. He has not been ball striking it very well in them, but it's the Memorial, it's Oak Hill, and it's Quail Hollow. And all of these three courses are just ruthlessly long with big rough. And if you're hitting a ton of drivers, which you have to, uh, you're probably in the rough a lot, and then you're probably hitting these uncomfortable approach shots and guessing how the ball's going to react. Uh, that's incredibly different. Um, it, it's a really different environment from what we should expect this week, uh, which is going to be shorter. It's going to be more driving irons, which, which is more up sits, alley. Um, 
and definitely more in line with an RBC heritage than these last three. So I'm almost willing to just say all three of these grinder events, tough scoring conditions, not birdie fest. Um, this is more scorable. This is, you know, layup, keep it in the fairway, hit a nice approach, make a ton of birdie putts. Um, you know, he finished top five despite not really having it on approach. Um, but, you know, aside from that, we know he played well at the Masters and he was trending very well at the beginning of the season. So I'm not concerned about the state of Sahith's game. I was hoping we would get a little bit of a better number. I got a 35 on him. Um, but, you know, I like Sahith. So I think that's a fair price in the end. Not a, not a value, not like a must bet value, but a fair price at 35 to 1. Um, after Sahith, um, I'll just kind of combine the, the next two Canadians into one. So I got Svensson and Taylor, both around 70 to one. I think that's also, um, if you're not going to play all those favorites I mentioned or Svensson or sorry, or the gala, then there becomes this significant drop off where it's like, you've got the twenties or under you've got Sahith and maybe one or two other players in the thirties. And then it's like everybody else is in the seventies. Um, so that's kind of how I built my card. A couple of guys in the seventies who are Canadians who know, um, this style of Stanley Thompson design, um, can get hot butter, can get hot irons and can keep it in the fairway. Um, you know, they'll have the crowd on their side if they're playing well on the weekend, they'll, they'll be willing them, um, to a nice finish. So I think that's a good narrative to chase as well. And a good vibe on the card to have multiple Canadians. I think that's just good tradition. Whenever we get to the Canadian open, get exposure to some Canadians, at least one, if you can. Um, next we have Eric Cole. I love Eric Cole this week. I did see a tweet that he's playing in like his 10th consecutive week. Um, that's a little concerning. He did also just do the U S open qualifying and I'm uh, almost positive. He advanced through that playing 36 on a Monday. Um, so maybe that's concerning, but it's his first like full PGA tour season. Uh, and he's already like into his thirties. So I think he's trying to make up for lost time. Uh, the, the immediate form is awesome. Um, he's seventh in approach. That's huge this week. He's been putting it really well. Um, you know, this whole season primarily on, on Bermuda, but I don't think he's, you know, bad on, on bent grass by any means. Um, and if you look at strokes gain total over the last 50 rounds, he's actually top five long-term in this field, which is hard to believe with how many other good names there are, um, in this field. Um, so, you know, his game is starting to kind of speak for itself and I think it's best suited for easy scoring conditions where you really just lean on the irons take a bunch of, you know, approach shots from the fairway and who's going to make the most 15 to 20 foot putts. Um, I think Eric Cole can win in a, in a type of environment like that. So uh, I'll take my chances on him. And then we get into more of a pure bomb range in the 150 plus. I've got Mark Hubbard, who's 11th in uh, my model. He's actually like right in the thick of it going into Sunday at the Memorial had a tough Sunday, but the Memorial is not really where we expect Mark Hubbard to do much damage. See, he is number six in strokes gain total on easy scoring conditions uh, and number 19 in comp course history. Um, so yeah, these easier courses where you don't need a lot of length, where you can hit the fairway, lean on your irons, make a bunch of putts. That's Mark Hubbard's game. As long as he's not exhausted from um, US Open qualifying as well, 
um, yeah, I think I think he sets up very well for this week. Um, after Hubbard, there's Ches Reevy, um, who's down here. I bet him top forty at the Byron Nelson recently, which is another putting contest, um, easy scoring condition. He finished fortieth, so we got a little bit of a chop there. Um, but he's somebody who continues to gain with his putter, and I would never bet Ches Reevy in a putting contest if that was not the case, but. Um, it's been six or seven events in a row now that he's been positive putting. Um, now he goes back to more of a short layout where you're not going to be sacrificing strokes to the field for a lack of distance. Um, if he's playing from the fairways, hitting a ton of irons and now making putts, you know, Chaz Reeve can win an event like that. And he actually picked up an early win in his career. One of his first uh, ever career wins was at the Canadian Open. So maybe a, a good vibe play there. Uh, and lastly, Carson Young, birdie fest. You play Carson Young. Um, that's that's really all there is to it. The guy's a sensational birdie maker. Um, I believe he also had a very good U.S. Open qualifier day. Um, a lot of these guys in this long shot range are probably not qualified for the U.S. Open and probably are using this week to qualify or try to. Um, so something to keep in mind, but, um, definitely a first round leader consideration, definitely somebody who, um, who can go low. And if you just look at the last thing we'll, we'll close on here is just kind of looking what he's been up to over the last five rounds and it's four top, top twenties or, or top 21 finishes. So, um, he is 250 to one, but you look at what he's doing best. It's approach, it's putting, um, I think you can get away with being an okay player off the tee, but you know, if you're somebody who gained two strokes off the tee at the Heritage, you can definitely gain multiple strokes off the tee at this course. Um, and then it's really just a matter of like staying neutral around the green. And if you can do all of that, um, then you've got yourself a viable 250 to one long shot. So that is my card for, uh, for this week. Um, thank you guys for, for listening in to this video and I wish you guys all the best luck with your RBC Canadian open bets. <laughs>